Hello and welcome to Socialism, the Marxist podcast from the Socialist Party. My name's Lenny Shale and today's podcast is a little bit different. We've got three interviews, first with Holly Johnston, a nurse, an activist, a member of the Socialist Party who's been helping organise a whole number of the NHS protests taking place across the country over the course of July the 3rd in support of a 15% pay rise and in defence of the NHS against the Tory onslaught attacks on our National Health Service. We've also got a speech by Naomi Byron outside a protest outside Westminster. And we're going to be delving a little bit more deeper into what's taking place in terms of the latest round of attacks by the Tories against the backdrop of the COVID pandemic. This episode of Socialism looks at the NHS and what workers and socialists can do to help defend it. Hi, I'm here with Holly Johnston, who's a cancer nurse and one of the organisers of NHS Workers Say No. Thanks for joining us today, Holly. Could you just explain a bit about what's taking place on the 3rd of July with all these protests taking place up and down the country? Hi, Ellen. Yeah, so basically NHS Workers Say No has campaigned together, keep our NHS public and NHS staff voices have all come together and called for a nationwide protest. And this coincides with the NHS's 73rd anniversary. The protest has three main focuses, which are pay, privatisation and safety. And essentially to shout about the NHS being thanked and applauded, but starved of real resources. And to say that the NHS was struggling before the pandemic, after years of cuts, 100,000 vacancies, outsourcing, bed numbers halving, etc. over the last 30 years. I think it's brilliant to see so many events erupt around a country, many organised by like, NHS workers themselves, many organised by, say, like community activists, other workers who care about what's been taking place. I mean, you were one of the organisers of the original protests last August. How did they sort of originally come about? Yeah, so I'm part of NHS Workers Say No. We are at a grassroots campaign and we are calling for a 15% pay restoration to sort of claw back what we're owed and what we deserve and to address the vacancy crisis and invest in retention and recruitment and therefore the long-term future of our NHS. But we were set up on the back of the announcement of public sectors getting a pay increase and the NHS staff were missed out of this pay increase last summer. Not that we don't think that, you know, public sectors areas should get their pay addressed, but it was sort of announced on the back of the work done during the pandemic. And it, yeah, it just felt like a real kick in the teeth. Yeah, you, you couldn't make it up, really. You had all the, you remember like the Thursday 8 o'clock of the collapse, yeah. NHS workers, particularly like nurses, well, sacrificing so much. And then nothing to think to include them in the pay rise is, like you say, it's not saying that other workers shouldn't get a pay rise, but to not even include them is almost too, well, too much of a joke to be true, but it was true. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And, you know, since then we've lobbied two major health unions to support 15% and two of the others to fight for a meaningful pay rise. So, you know, we've had some successes over the last year, but, you know, we're still a long way to go. But yeah, exactly. A lot of the moves over the last year, especially from the government, have really made staff feel undervalued and it's highlighted that, you know, that they don't treat as well. Yeah, interesting. I mean, like you say, this crisis with NHS, one of the points I always say is the NHS is, has the potential to be such an amazing thing. Well, it is an amazing thing, but it's underfunded, understaffed and overworked. I mean, like you say, this has been going on for many years now, but what do you think has sparked this sort of increase of 
militancy amongst nurses and NHS workers who made a stand last August that we've had enough. We can't keep waiting on some of these unions or the leaderships who just aren't doing enough. What do you think sort of made it click in people's minds that they're going to have to make a stand now? Yeah, I think the tipping point has been that, yeah, like you say, staff have simply had enough. And that's, you know, through working conditions, which have got worse over the last 10 years, but especially, you know, during the pandemic, it's highlighted how undervalued we are, that people are literally risking their lives to do a job on the front line. And it's brought home how little we're appreciated. And many of us have made the link between sort of investing in the future of the NHS and investing in its staff. And some of us, you know, there's some personal reasons too. Uh, Personally, I've been really sick with COVID. I've developed long COVID. And, you know, we felt like lambs to the slaughter, you know, inadequate PPE you know, poor working conditions and, you know, rubbish pay. So, yeah, it was clear that this government has not cared for its key workers or indeed our class. No, not at all, not at all. I mean, one of the points you raised a minute ago about the NHS workers say no is a sort of grassroots campaign of rank and file workers who want to take action. I mean, the RCN, I mean, it's good that they're supporting the protests on the 3rd. They've got one of the biggest sort of strike funds, or they're claiming to have one of the biggest strike funds in Britain out of all the unions. And I mean, unfortunately, the Unison leadership aren't supporting it. That's not to say that there are many like Unison workers, reps, and that at a local level who are supporting it. What could the unions be doing to help support this sort of struggle? Yeah, so as you say, yeah, RCN have surprisingly come out as one of the more militant unions and, you know, they've launched a pay dispute in Scotland after they voted to reject the offer of 4%, so we'll see. And, you know, we kind of expect the same outcome in England and Wales with RCN and, as you say, they've announced their big strike fund. So, you know, we do know that other unions have big strike funds, Unison especially, but they've not made any announcements, you know, if they're planning to use this or... But yeah, the leadership of Unison, we're not surprised, basically, that they're not supporting the demonstrations uh, on the 3rd of July. I think they'll be nervous of anything that brings rank and file health workers into contact with each other. And like you say, you know, through this campaign, we've met a lot of brilliant trade unionist activists within Unison, you know, in local branches, and people are really fighting hard and comrades are fighting hard within Unison to bring about change. But, you know, there's been some reports that they've chosen to not support the protests despite being affiliated with health campaigns together because of NHS workers say no, our involvement in them, in the demos, and that we've got different pay fights, basically, which personally I find a poor excuse. And I think we need to be out on the streets together, uniting, protesting uh, on the three main issues that I spoke of, pay, privatisation and safety. Our union should be supporting this all the way, really. Exactly. I mean... Like going forward and after Saturday, what do you think the sort of key next steps are for the campaign, for NHS workers around the country? For NHS workers, I think the support of the public is vital. I think that the government are going to, you know, it's already started, but there'll be a smear campaign against NHS workers, you know, calling us greedy for wanting more pay. That kind of thing. So I think we need to be ready for that. But also I think, you know, the next stage will be being ready within our unions, balloting to accept or reject the pay offer, which will be announced end of July. And then depending on that result, you know, being ballot ready for industrial action. So a lot of the work will be in the unions as a campaign, you know, we'll be applying pressure on the government, we'll be encouraging people to be active and push for change in our unions and to use our votes and continue to spread awareness in workplaces and turn people outwards.
and yeah I think you know the next steps we need to sort of overall we need to be fighting against the healthcare bill and push against the plan for integrated care systems as well. Yeah, so you mentioned like other groups of workers as well, Holly. I mean, what can other workers in other industries and community activists, what can they do to help support this sort of campaign and fight? Yeah, so I think I'd encourage everyone sort of in their own sector to pick up their own fights as well so that we're stronger together. I know that at one time nurses didn't have to go out on strike. It was other workers would go out for them. And if it was up to me, you know, we'd be stopping trains and tubes and all sorts but you know we're not there at this time but i do believe that we need to be coming together to sort of smash through public sector pay freezes poor pay and unsafe working conditions together and uniting our struggle you know picking this up in unions so i'd say that everybody you know we need to be fighting this within our unions and together yeah i mean definitely one of the key sort of aspects of what the socialist party is arguing for and a lot of other unions is that yeah the fighting nhs isn't just for nhs workers we should be organising coordinated action in defence of the NHS across all industries. So like you say, the NHS is there, it's a vital service for everyone, so it has to be a fight across all sections of workers. But yeah, really important point there. And I think this one of been the great aspects of these protests is they've a small scale to start off with, but they have drawn some of the key activists together and hopefully we can, like you say, you can build from that going forward after the third. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot for joining us, Holly. But lastly, just a quick sort of question. You remember the Socialist Party as well as being the key campaigner, one of the main fighters of this campaign around the country. And many NHS workers, like you said, are getting angry, getting up their knees onto their feet to make a stand against this government and what they see as an onslaught against the NHS. What message do you have for sort of NHS workers who are making their first steps into activity, into struggle? Why do you think they maybe should think about maybe getting involved with the Socialist Party as well? Absolutely. I think, you know, it's become clear to me, certainly, that a fight for the NHS can only be won with a fight for a fairer society and a fight for socialism. If we tackle the problem at the root, which is capitalism, the NHS will be publicly owned, it'll be brought back into democratic control, it would bring an end to outsourcing, precarious zero-hour contracts, poor pay, working conditions, amongst other things. So, really, I think, you know, we can't fight one without the other and we can tackle the issues and address what's going on in the NHS, but we need to look at it as a wider picture and fight the fight against capitalism. That's brilliant. Thanks a lot, Holly. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Sorry about the noise, we're outside a protest outside Parliament only a few days after a whole number of protests organised by NHS workers took place across Britain against the derisory 1% pay offer for NHS workers. And NHS workers, particularly nurses, are mobilised, demanding that they want 15%. There was protests around the country. We're going to have other reports and we're going to just hear now from Naomi Byron a Unison NEC member speaking like a personal capacity about why this protest is taking place as Parliament sits debating the latest bill where they're going to be making their latest attacks on the NHS. My name's Naomi Barin. I'm speaking personal capacity today. The healthcare bill is just about to be announced in Parliament and it's likely to be debated in a couple of weeks. And I believe that parts of this bill, an enormous threat to our NHS, particularly the further breakup of it 
and also the extension of privatisation. Now I'm calling on all trade unions to support the campaign to oppose the bill and I hope that my union, Unison, will take a lead on this, in particular by calling a protest outside Parliament on the day that it's debated and also by calling a national demonstration in the autumn to defend our NHS. And on the issue of NHS pay, the pay review body has reported its recommendation to the government and the government is due to make its offer in the next couple of weeks as well, we believe. Now, if they offer less than what all the health trade unions and our movement for a NHS pay rise is calling for, I believe that all health unions must immediately ballot all members on the offer and campaign strongly for members to reject it. To follow this up, if members do reject the pay offer, with a strike ballot, with a massive campaign for members to vote yes for action. And any action resulting from these ballots, I hope all unions in the health sector will try to coordinate any action and also coordinate with workers in other sectors fighting their own insulting pay offers. Thank you. Hi and welcome to this special edition of Socials in the Podcast, a special edition on the NHS. We've heard already from Holly Johnston and Naomi Byron, and today I'm joined by Paula Mitchell from the Executive Committee of the Socialist Party just to chat through what the Tories are planning in terms of their latest attacks on the NHS. At the moment, the Health and Social Care Bill is currently being discussed in Parliament. It's had its first reading and its second reading is due next week. So Paula, what is this latest bill about and what Latour is trying to do to our NHS? Well, I think a lot of people will be wondering why this is even happening right now when they've said that they can't have an inquiry about COVID, for example, because they're all much too busy dealing with the pandemic and yet they can rush through a new bill which looks at reorganising again on the NHS and obviously they don't want the COVID inquiry because they don't want any inspection, uh, public scrutiny of their cronyism, their complacency, the cruelty, the way that they've put profits first throughout the pandemic. But that actually gives us the warning about why they're pushing through this bill now. Because while on the surface of it, this health and care bill is ostensibly about integration of the NHS and social care, and who wouldn't want that? In reality, what it's about is about extending privatisation. It's about reducing the even limited democratic oversight that there is in the NHS at the moment, and really it opens the door to the further breakup of a national service. And I think it is worth saying that some of the press... And early on, when this was first being talked about, got excited at the idea that it might mean a rolling back of privatisation because there is a bit that they are getting rid of in the 2012 NHS Act, which insists that any contracts for services are put out to tender and private companies and the NHS can bid to run them. But it's a mistake to think that that's a step forward because the reason why they're doing that is basically during COVID, they have handed huge contracts, millions of pounds of public money 
to private companies without any transparency or scrutiny, and that's what they want to continue. So in this bill... So they just want to be able to just hand them out yeah, without any sort of... Without... Even, but no tender yeah, now, we'll just hand them out to any yeah, private company. It's even worse. A bit like the test and trace thing, the whole sort like of catastrophe that. Exactly. of that. So it's still privatisation, but without any scrutiny or transparency over the process. So it's actually even probably more sinister. <laughs> we, it we, is. You're not even going to check, keep a check on us. We'll just hand it to any yeah. private company. Anybody, like any of our mates like. down the pub, yeah. we'll just hand them out to them. Yeah, that's right. And like councils, for example, about that avoiding any kind of transparency or check on them, councils have up until now had the right to refer any decisions that are being made locally about the NHS up to the Secretary of State. Obviously, if it's a Tory Secretary of State, you wouldn't have great hopes, but yeah. nonetheless, that is a democratic check. That's going in this bill. And at the moment, Parliament has the right to discuss the plans for the NHS every year. There's an annual NHS mandate. That's going in this as well. So any kind of democratic oversight checks, you know, casting a light over them, chucking out their contracts to their mates they want to get rid of. And I think, you know, if people are wondering about how it extends privatisation or why we would say it means the breakup, I can explain a bit about that if you Yeah, like. yeah, yeah, do. Because yeah, do. what they're going to set up is they do already exist, but they're going to make them statutory now that the whole country is divided up into what they call integrated care systems, which will have a budget which will be for all of the NHS and care in that geographical area. They'll be run by boards, which, of course, won't be elected. There'll be representatives of the NHS and local councils on it, but also of any other providers of health and care services, so private companies, from those that run care homes to potentially the big US healthcare firms, will all sit on these boards making the decisions, dishing out the contracts, making cuts out of their budget. And I suppose probably even more of a postcode lottery type thing you Absolutely. talked about before. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. A postcode lottery in terms of services. Yeah. And also potentially the breakup of national pay yeah. and conditions of work. And I suppose, like you said, for local businesses, people who are wanting to try and take advantage of this breakup to well, increase their profits by taking advantage mm. of this segregated privatisation. Yeah, no, that's right. And I know a lot of people will be confused about it and think, as a lot of people do, that because the NHS is still free, although obviously there are all sorts yeah. of charges, prescription charges, parking charges, etc., and because it's still publicly funded, that's OK. But it's not OK because these private companies are just inserting themselves in the middle of that process. And money which would have gone to providing nurses or beds or, you know, extra services goes into the back pocket of people who are eyeing... What they're doing is they're eyeing the billions of pounds of public money that goes on the NHS every year, and they want that. They want their hands on that for their own profit. I mean, I'm from Coventry originally, and we saw that at our local hospital where I think millions upon millions of pounds every year go to pay the PFI deal we had. I mean, it was council because it was Labour-run agreed to that but even now they wouldn't even have a say on that it would just be handed over to a private yeah. company job done yeah and the private company's nestled in there making its creaming off its profits yeah, that's right yeah yeah so i mean you've got over there paul the horrendous attacks facing nhs not a very bright or positive future for it but obviously associates we want to see what we can do to stop this 
And I know we in the Socialist Party have played a role already in helping mobilise in the latest protests that are taking place, many that are taking place over the course during the pandemic. And just last Saturday, protests took place across the country. Yes. What do you think can be done to stop it? Well, things when you think about it, the NHS is massive and it's extremely popular. There's well over a million people working it and everybody, everybody in the country has a stake in it. It's one of the most popular things that exists in this country. Everyone, you know, nearly everyone at least, holds the NHS dear, and particularly since COVID, there's massive public support for it. So there is no doubt that mass action, in our view, can push the Tories back. And has you support? Yeah. Local community, people, everyone? Absolutely, that's right. So the workers in the NHS have got massive potential power, and they are already backed up by people, their families, people in the communities. That needs to be harnessed, it needs to be organised, it needs to be led, and we can, in that way, push the Tories back. And, of course, that would be extremely important. A big fight on the NHS and a defeat for the Tories on the NHS would be really important for defeating the Tories more generally as well. So we're calling concretely, we have been calling for a protest at Parliament when the bill gets its second reading, because that's when it's properly debated in Parliament. And we now know, as of today, that that's on the 14th of July. But that's just the beginning. We don't just want that to be a token protest, then we all go home. That should be a step towards having a major demonstration in the autumn. And we've been calling in particular on the trade unions, and especially Unison, which is by far the biggest health and care trade union to take the lead in that. Fantastic. Yeah, I know when we spoke to Holly, she talks about how she's a member of RCN, the nurses Mm. union as well, and they have a huge fund really to help fund strike action mobilisation. So, and even within Unison and Unite, these unions have huge potential to take Mm. action. And like you said before, other unions as well would be very willing to support. And I think maybe some of our demands would be related to calling other unions to take supportive mm. action as well. What role do unions play in that? And what are we trying to do to push that process along? Mm. Well, it is this question about leading, isn't it? And mobilising the potential power, because it is only potential power. And all the public campaigning and the demonstrations of local community campaigns and things, they are all very, very important. They do add to the pressure and they give workers in the NHS confidence that if they do act they will be backed up so those things are all important but unions are the most important they've got the additional power because it's their members that actually make the NHS function well, yeah without them the, the yeah, no NHS. Yeah. exactly that's <laughs> right exactly when you just look at what unions can achieve just on a local level we're just celebrating the announcement just this week of a victory at a hospital in east london the royal london in whitechapel where it's a small group of workers the catering workers used their muscle if you like in their role and took strike action against bullying management and it looks like the management have backed down one of the first big disputes that took place under Boris Johnson's government just before Covid was the strike movement in Northern Ireland of nurses, NHS workers there overpaid, who won a victory. So they've got potential power. Imagine if that was national, if that was really harnessed and driven nationally. So we put demands on the trade unions, especially Unison, to take a lead. That doesn't mean waiting. That doesn't mean that we just say you should do this and if they don't do it, then nothing 
can happen. We've got to fight for that local action and we do that every day. We're in the communities, we're in the workplaces, our members are in the union branches organising campaigns and fighting for that action. But when they're coming for you nationally, you need a national fight. And that's why we've got to put the pressure on the trade union leaders and link it to the question of NHS pay. Because again, it's massively popular. Everyone recognises what a smack in the face it is from the Tories to offer NHS workers 1%. Now, we don't actually know what they're going to be definitely offered. They said that. There's been an NHS pay review body has met and has made a recommendation to the government, which has not yet been made public. But we expect that that and the Tories' offer will be made public also in the next couple of weeks. So the union should be linking those two issues together of fighting the bill and for the future of the NHS itself and fighting for decent pay. In our view, that should be 15%. We support the demand of those health workers that have been campaigning for that. And these protests and demonstrations can all be part of a serious campaign of building for strike action in the NHS. And I would say we've been putting these sorts of demands on trade union leaders including in unison for a long time. But at the moment, there is a real chance here because the anger of ordinary workers has been reflected in a number of different union elections just recently, including in the NHS. And whereas the newly elected General Secretary of Unison is still from the old guard. Christine McInerney was in the model of Dave Prentice before, which is of a union that doesn't particularly take action or fight but the national executive committee has now got yeah. a majority of those who stand so they should change. be doing something so they should there's be a doing chance something. there but yeah absolutely and we've got four members elected as part of that including nhs worker naomi byron who's been newly elected to the nec and so our job for those members on the NEC to be arguing for what's necessary, putting forward a clear strategy, because now there's a chance, now there's a chance. There's huge hopes and expectations in that new leadership in unison. They've got to act. So we're putting forward the demands, campaigning for what's necessary for the protests, for the preparation for strike action in unison. And like you just said... Unison's key, that's the most immediate thing because it's the biggest union and because there's just been this change in the leadership, we've got to do everything we can to maximise that. But it applies everywhere. And that's why our members like Marion Lloyd, for example, who recently stood for the president of PCS, the Broad Left Network in PCS, their members were out all over the country on the NHS demonstrations. Because it's not just a question of only Unison, but it's a question for the whole of yeah. the trade union movement to mobilise its power, you know. And like you said before, is do you support there? And against mm. the backdrop of the pandemic, so many people have seen the importance of it, but also have seen actually we need to fight for this. Yeah. And so there's a lot we can do to push that process forward. Yeah. I mean, as well as that, there's been lots of protests, people organising in local communities. You've touched on that. What sort of NHS is the Socialist Party fighting for? Yeah, well, that's a good question. Because we obviously, we know what we don't want. We don't want privatisation, and that would be a massive step forward. If the private companies were driven out of the NHS, if there was an end to the PFI, the private finance initiative that you referred to earlier, which basically means that private companies have built hospitals and provide some services, 
and then take huge wads of cash from the NHS every week for the next 30-odd years. So hospitals are losing millions every week to private companies just paying off for things like that. Even just if all of that was removed, that would be a massive step forward. All of that money currently being sucked out by these leeches would actually be spent on the NHS. Um, so we'd fight for that, for full funding, which would then solve things like the shortage. There's an 80,000 shortage of beds at the moment, 100,000 shortage of staff in the NHS. So you know we've got to resolve those issues. And obviously we think that there should be proper pay, the 15% that I just said. And that shouldn't just be for people who are actually employed by the NHS. That should be for all the workers who have been outsourced, the privatised workers, which sadly is quite a lot of workers in the health service these days, should also be on those same levels of pay. But actually, in our view, they shouldn't be outsourced anyway. For us, the NHS and the end of privatisation in the NHS would mean bringing that all back in-house so that those services are provided as part of the health service and the workers are part of the NHS properly. And as part of proper pay, that would also include for training, you know, bring back the bursaries, for example, for nurses training so we would think all of those sorts of things but really that's just sort of trying to undo the damage yeah there's more than that and a socialist nhs would tackle other issues as well because see like when the nhs was first established the pharmaceutical companies for example and the medical supplies industries they were never part of it they were left in the private sector and so again millions and millions of pounds every day probably certainly every week is sucked out of the nhs into the pockets of big pharma who charge extortionate rates you know for drugs and so on so in our view a socialist nhs and care system means nationalizing democratically taking over the pharmaceutical industry as well and We've been talking about integration. We agree with that, an NHS and care system integrated together. But most of social care has been privatised as well. That's got to be brought back in-house as well. Um, And again, proper pay, proper funding. There's been huge cuts to social care. It's been over the last 10 years with austerity measures carried out by the Tories. It's been one of the worst hit areas, social care, which is disgusting in itself and so we'd want a reversal of those cuts as well so there's all of that and i probably the people who are listening who haven't heard these ideas before might be thinking well it's all right saying all that but where's the money going to come from and i think partly i've outlined where the money's going to come from because so much of it is sucked out that that's the initial question and one would do a lot actually to put in full funding we're also in favor of taxing the super rich more and stuff like that But actually, a socialist NHS, we'd envisage being part of the socialist economy. And that means that part and parcel of this would be aiming to take over the banks and the big companies democratically into public ownership so that the wealth of society in general can be democratically planned in the interests of everybody, which would obviously include enough funding for the NHS. I'm going on a bit here, but I would also say you just got to think about what that actually would mean in terms of how it could transform. Yeah, it's always applying the same principles, the NHS, to the whole of society. The whole of society, yeah, no, that's right. And it's like, you know, I mean, it's like they say in this new bill that they want to have a population health approach. It's one of the things they're saying. Again, it's one of the things that some people might, you know, be tricked into thinking they're going in the right direction. 
But as long as you've got poverty pay, as long as you've got homelessness and absolutely appalling housing conditions, as long as you've got kids that are growing up in families that can barely get meals together, you're never going to... You know, population yeah, yeah. health is a joke. But just imagine if that wealth that is there was democratically controlled and you could have a society where you had decent pay, where you had council housing, you had rent controls. Think about the food industry. If the food industry was publicly owned and democratically controlled, so the food on your plate was actually food that was nice, but and also good for you yeah. and affordable and not packed with sugar and salt and fat and all the rest of it, because at the moment what happens with food is dominated by the big sugar companies, for example, around the world. And give kids access to sports, facilities, yeah. to exercise. Yeah. All of that, you could absolutely yeah. transform public health and transform the NHS. But I would add that we're not just saying this is a pipe dream sort of thing. This is why, as well as the fight now against the Tories' bill, has to include a political aspect to it. And for us, that means we have to raise the need for a new working class party as part of that struggle because... I mean, like the Labour Party like to pretend they're the defenders. They create the NHS, so we're the party of the NHS, yeah. but can they be trusted? Well, look at what's happened. Keir Starmer, as well as nodding along with the Tories mildly over the last year instead of exposing their crimes on COVID, he's not been quite so meek and mild in his own party. He has led a ruthless campaign inside the Labour Party to drive out Jeremy Corbyn. And crucially, it's not about Jeremy Corbyn, but it's about the programme that he stood for, which was at least against privatisation in the NHS, for example, and for decent pay. They've driven that out of the Labour Party. The Labour Party is not going to be the party that fights to get a socialist NHS. And so NHS workers and the working class more generally, we need our own political voice that will fight for this sort of programme. And it all goes hand in hand. We have to fight the Tories on this bill. We have to fight for action inside the trade unions to make that struggle a reality and to lead to success. But we've also got to fight for that political representation at the same time so that we can actually build a party that will articulate that anger, that will lead a struggle or aid in leading a struggle and that can also fight for the kind of NHS and wider society that we need. That's fantastic. Paula? It is, isn't it? No, yeah, brilliant. I mean, <laughs> if you weren't motivated or inspired by that, I don't know what what could what, what would motivate you. I mean, you've gone over loads of really interesting detail there. So, I mean, throughout this podcast, we've heard from Holly, Naomi and yourself what would be your message to anyone who is interested in what you've said, inspired? What should they do? Well, they've got to join us, haven't they? They've got to get out on the streets and campaign. They've got to get out in their workplaces and link up with others. They need to join the trade union. If they're not in the trade union, they need to fight. But the best way to do that is to join the Socialist Party. Fantastic. Thanks, Paula. OK, thank you. Socialism is produced by the Socialist Party the England-Wales section of the Committee for a Workers' International. Today we heard from Holly Johnston, Naomi Byron and Paula Mitchell. And I'm Lenny Shell. This episode was edited by Nick Hart. You can find further reading in the notes of your podcast app if you want to find out more. If you want to get in touch and find out more about the Socialist Party, email socialismpodcast at socialistparty.org.uk. Socialism, the podcast, relies on the funding from our members and supporters. 
Unsurprisingly, we have no big business backers or adverts, and this allows us to maintain our political independence. Can you help fund this podcast? Well, if you can, you can make a regular donation or one-off payment at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash donate. And even more important, if you agree with the ideas of the Socialist Party and like what you've heard from Holly, Naomi or Paula, get in touch and find out more about how you can become a member and join the fight for socialist transformation of society. Apply to join at socialistparty.org.uk forward slash join. And if you live outside England Wales, don't worry, you can also join the fight for socialism wherever you are by contacting the Committee for Workers International by visiting socialistworld.net. See you next time.